This is part two of my conversation with Todd Brooks about the future of the Atlanta Falcons coaching staff. Let's get it. Rise up. Welcome to Rise Up Radar, where we keep the Falcons on your radar. Thank you for joining me, Stan Parker, for another episode. Let's have a ball and show. We talked earlier on the last episode that uh, we're going to bring a list of uh, candidates to some uh, candidates that we think would be a good idea for the Falcons to bring in. And these, some of them might be realistic. Some of them might be, uh, you know, a big wish, but we're going to give you some options here to go research yourself and kind of dream a little bit. Cause these moves, Todd could shape the direction and the trajectory of this franchise. So you want to get it right. And obviously drafting sure. uh, as well. So where do you want to stop? You want to start at the head? We'll go. You want to start with, you want to start with president? Yeah, so, let's start with president. All right, so I thought, you know, I'm, I'm being drastic here on the radio, but if they do decide, which I don't think they will, honestly, thinking about it, but Rich McKay is pretty pretty solid. He's dug in. He's a part of the other, like, he's part of the safety committee and whatever else. Um, he's pretty entrenched in the Falcons' uh, front office, but he is the president and CEO of, um, of the Falcons' – department or something but he is the the president so if if arthur fires him who would you want to i don't know be your your ceo or the president of football operations okay so realistically i don't think arthur will fire rich mckay i think he's going to keep rich mckay but if he did make that decision to fire rich mckay i only have one name was that as a candidate and that's tony dungeon that's who i would go with and the re yes, and the reason why I would go with Tony Dungy is this. People forget about this, but you know, Rich McKay was in in Tampa when Tony Dungy was the head coach. And Tony Dungy actually had a lot more to do with building that franchise right before their Super Bowl run than people realize. Now the only thing he really didn't have was a good quarterback. He had Sean King playing quarterback, and that really wasn't something that that uh, um, was going to allow him to get over the hump. But he was almost solely responsible for drafting guys like Warren Sapp, getting guys like John Lynch. You know, he built the centerpiece of that franchise, more so than Rich McKay. Rich McKay got credit for some of that, but then later on it came out, well, Tony Dungy had a lot more to do with that than everybody thought. So I, I think that would be a neat hire. I think, you know, he's done with coaching and everything. I don't think he would want to coach anymore. I don't think he might, would want to be a general manager, but president – that might be something because he can kind of oversee everything, but you know, keep hands off as much as possible too. That, everything you said, I have I have typed up on my on my piece of paper. My my answer is Tony Dungy, and it's literally for the same exact reasons he didn't get a lot of credit down in you know like just all of it. Uh, I think he's a brilliant base on mine. He's a great man and great human, great leader of men. I went a lot. I went a lot with all, my heart as well. Just an outstanding guy. And it's, I mean, if you want to follow in somebody's footsteps, he's, he's not a slime ball. He's, I mean, outstanding guy and a brilliant football mind. And I would pick Tony Dungy. I would, I would vote Tony Dungy on a right-in ballot. So, um, 
yeah, that was hilarious that we picked the same. And I only had one candidate. That was my only guy I was Tony Dungy. So wow, great minds think alike. Great minds think alike, Todd. I was, I was hoping we'd have a little more heated debates about this. Uh, <laughs> and I'm surprised you didn't put uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson in that seat. All right, so no. all right, so we're going to move on now to general manager. Who do you, who do you have as who are your candidates for uh, for general manager? Okay, so my number one candidate for general manager would be Dom Capers. Interesting. I'm absolutely just kidding. I'm just Interesting. kidding. With I was actually making fun of your Jimmy Johnson pick oh, the other night. Oh, okay. I was like, man, this is this is going to get real feisty. But yeah. I'm like, let, me, let, me find, let me find the oldest person I can find that had put him in the GM. Oh. Yeah, but he didn't have as much success as Jimmy Johnson, oh. but he he was yeah, good with instrumental with getting Carolina going the Carolina Panthers going back in the 90s. He's still coaching. He's, I think he's with uh, Green Bay now oh, in a uh, kind of off-the-field position. All right. Actually, my number one candidate for GM is Lewis Reddick. Um, surprise – it may surprise some folks, but here's here's why. Okay. A good friend of mine gave me some wise advice when we were talking about general managers the other day. And he said that really – if you're good at fantasy football or you're just really good at analyzing people, you should be a good general manager. That's what it takes. You should just find somebody that's good with fantasy leagues. And I kind of took that to heart as I was kind of looking at this. So I think the guy's in the broadcast booth now. He's an analyst for ESPN. He, he does Monday night football, but he does have experience as a scouting director. He was a scouting director for both the Eagles and the Redskins. Um, he was director of, of pro personnel with the Philadelphia Eagles from 2010 to 2013. And then he joined ESPN and, and currently is in the Monday Night Football booth. My only question with him would be, what were the circumstances that led to his departure from the Philadelphia Eagles? And for what I could find out is he just said Philadelphia was a toxic environment. And it wasn't – yeah, it wasn't somewhere that he wanted to be. So – would he take the GM job? He's been rumored to be a candidate for GM jobs before. In fact, before Kansas City got their current general manager, he interviewed for that position. Yeah. So I, I think Lewis Reddick would be a, a good pick for Atlanta. Okay. So that's ex- – do uh, um, you have any more other, like, other picks? I do. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. I do. You want me to just go through my next yeah, two run through as well? Them. Yeah. All right. Brian Gain is a guy – who I think would be a good general manager too. Okay, so he used to be the Houston, Texas general manager. He was there for 17 months on the job. And most of the media sort of just wondered, why, why did they let him go? And nobody ever could figure it out. You know, it, it, uh, he was there uh, prior to the 2017 season. And then he was, um, he was hired in January 2018 after Rick Smith took a leave of absence. And then on January on June seventh, two thousand nineteen, Game was fired by the Texans after only one season. And then he went to the Bills as a senior personnel advisor. And nobody understands why he was fired. Like I could not find anything not about a single that. Thing. Not yeah. a single thing. And I mean, Houston's definitely got some good building blocks. Yeah. From the time that he was even in seventeen months, you know, Houston should be a good team. But if everything's kind of gone on a downward spiral this year, but I think that would be a name worth entertaining. And then the other name, I don't think this is particular, uh, particularly uh, realistic, and I kind of am weary of it a little bit just because of the Thomas Dimitrov thing. But, look, here's the, here's the deal. He Thomas Dimitrov, deal. he came from the New England Patriots. He 
we know New England drafts SEC guys, so I'm not really sure why Thomas Dimitrov himself, you know, himself did. And the first interview question, if I were author blank, the very first interview question that I would ask a general management candidate would be, would you draft SEC players? <laughs> what type of play? That should be an interview question. That's exactly where I would go with it. Do you draft SEC players? Who do you think is the top conference in college football? Where would you look to to get your best players? And I want them to say the answer to that question has to be, we would draft from the SEC. The New England Patriots do. So I think Nick Cassero, uh, currently New England Patriots Director of Player Personnel, would be somebody that I'd like to see here as a general manager. But he's got a big contract with New England. I think he just got a new one this year. So I don't know if that's something that's realistic. He's been there for ever since the beginning of the run, pretty much, that New England was on. So I just don't know if that's particularly realistic. Oh Well, this is going to be uh, – we're going to make short work of this list because um, – and do you have another one? That's it, right? Is there your three? That's it. Yeah, okay, I so, three. So my, so my number one is Lewis Reddick for all the same reasons you put, put together. My number two is Nick Casiero uh, for all the reasons you're re- – you and those those two we're gonna we'll circle back to those at our head coaching um in our in our head coaching department next and then i picked ed dodds uh indianapolis uh vp of player personnel um just the way he built uh spending the money around andrew luck even though andrew luck had a quick exit um he was there uh helping build the team around essentially laying the groundwork for a, a really good football team they have you know, what's his name? Uh, currently, oh my gosh, uh, Philip Rivers. But they built that team the right way. Offensive line, spent your money. Qual- I mean, Qu- Quentin Nelson is a rogue, like just making good decisions and making being smart with money. And he was a part of a lot of that. So Ed Dodds would be, I, I mean, like third pick. But I-, I think I would go number one, Lewis Reddick. Number two, uh, Cassiero, I don't know how to say his name. I'm sorry. And then Ed Dots. So those are my three. And so now we're going to head coach. So I'm going to go first so you don't steal everything. Um, okay. So I'm going to go to the, to the the bottom, to the top. So I would go with uh, Robert Salah, uh, which is – he's the defensive coordinator for the Niners. Speaks for himself. He's got had a lot of pass rush uh, experience and uh, has it built a good defense. And I think uh, he would be – in next in line to be a head coach joe brady would be um joe brady would be a number my number three uh offensive coordinator for the panthers hot name obviously recently um has called a good game up in carolina and has got them all on the same page go forward really balanced doing a lot with the little i think he would do a great with the falcons with you know the personnel that they have having a high draft pick and all that stuff but here i'm a really top two and i'm kind of torn between the top two got Josh Daniels to go along with Nick Cassero, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to pair them, cause that's what's going to happen. I mean, let's just be real. They're going to hire a G- general manager and the general manager is going to pick, a gr- I mean, pick everybody else. So the general manager, and if you get groups of people that are friends, they're going to bring their friends. That's what happens in the NFL. So I would go Nick. I mean, if you're going to go this route, you go Nick Cassero, and then you go Josh McDaniels to be head coach. People don't like him. He gets, he's kind of divisive people get split on him and all that stuff, but he's a winner. He's smart. And uh, obviously he's been around the Patriots for a long time and, 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 and uh, he knows his, his stuff. So, and then number one is obviously has no ties to Lewis Reddick or anybody, but you know, Eric B enemy, 
offensive head court, offensive coordinator for Kansas City. That was those are my four options at head coach. What do you think about those? Okay, I, I like those. In fact, uh, we're right on it. But with three of them, I have on my list too. I actually have five options for head coach here. Uh, a couple of them more realistic than others, but and I swear, me and Stan did not get together before we did this. This is like I don't know what his list is. He doesn't know what my list is, so this is kind of amazing. We're kind of thinking alike here. We so, text, we texted back and forth uh, literally just today. He's like, "Hey, do you have your list done?" He's like, "Yeah, I've got most of my list done. I'm I'm ready to roll." That was literally it. Yeah. So my number one guy is Joe Brady. I wasn't sure if he would come up on your list or not, but Joe Brady is my number one. Um, I like really? Joe Brady a lot. He is somebody who has really moved up quickly. You know, just uh, four years ago, he was a grad assistant on Penn State's uh, football staff. And then he was with the New Orleans Saints. Suddenly, he was LSU's passing game coordinator and is now the office of coordinator with the Carolina Panthers. Um, I think this is a guy that you need to snatch up and get immediately. He could be a big difference maker in Atlanta. Offer him the money. Show him the money. If you don't offer him a job, he's going to end up as a head coach somewhere next year. Maybe not in the NFL. He may go the college route first. But I think he's a guy who really wants to be a pro coach. I don't think he necessarily wants to be in the college ranks for long. So if he does go to the college ranks, I expect him to be right back in the NFL within three to five years. So he's my number one guy. My number two guy would be Lincoln Riley. He's the uh, head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners right now. And I'm kind of torn with this one a little bit because I think he stands for a lot of good things. I think he's just a great college coach, and I like having good personalities in college football. But he is a very innovative offensive guy. Our personnel definitely, you know, is geared more toward offense right now. Right. I don't know if it's going to stay that way. You know, we could have some offseason trades and stuff, and it could be, you know, it could be a lot different. But Leon Riley, he's had a lot of success at Oklahoma. But I kind of get the feeling sometimes that the Oklahoma brass may be getting a bit tired of him. And so this would be my resistance here, too, is that he hasn't really been around teams that have had a lot of defensive Success. success, right. Yeah, you because know, Oklahoma, I mean, that's the reason why they're not playing for national championships every year is their defense is just garbage. It's so terrible. It's a shootout but, every game. Yeah, but it's, it's you know, and it gets a little tiring to watch that. But I, I just think that he would just be a great offensive mind to bring in, and the GM just needs to hire the defensive coordinator for him. <laughs> Let's just do that. Because <laughs> I don't think it really matters in the Big 12 who you have as your defensive coordinator. It's kind of just the tendency – of that conference. Anyway, they just steer toward lots of offense and, and really college football in general is really heading that direction. You don't see a lot of teams play defense anymore. I mean, Georgia does, um, you know, I, but there's really not anybody else I can tell you just plays great defense anymore. Alabama used to, but they don't even do that anymore. Um, number Dang, shots three, fired. Wait, wait till this Saturday. Yeah, for sure. We're going to do it. Sorry, number man. three would be Eric Benimini. Um, All right. So, my only question with him, he's been in Kansas for eight years. He spent five years as the running back coach. And then um, the last three, he's been the office of coordinator. So that really goes right along with the time that Patrick Mahomes came in as, as quarterback. Right. I have a question so it, that real quick. Sorry. Uh, yes. So what's the timeline of, the, of, of that lining up with Andy Reid? How long has Andy Reid been there? I think Andy Reid's been there since 2015, 16. He was there a little bit before Andy Reid got okay. there. I was just curious. Yeah, um, yeah Andy Reid's been there for, for a minute. Um, 
but I, you know, I kind of just wonder, is he that great of an offensive coordinator or is it more because of the personnel that he has, but still he hasn't screwed it up. And, um, Pat Mahomes, yeah, he was a good college player, but nobody ever would have dreamed that he would have been this, uh, as good in the NFL as he's been. So I think you, you owe him a lot of credit for that. He's developed him. So I I would go – I would say he's a good uh, good catch too. And then my last candidate, that's the only defensive one I'm going with, Bill Cower. And I've discussed this before. He hasn't coached in a long time. This might be a little bit more of a controversial hire. But when he was at Pittsburgh – they were always good. I mean, they had a couple years where they weren't quite as good. They didn't make the playoffs, but they were always typically a very, very good team. Um, I, I like the way that, that he coaches. He's a hard-nosed guy, but, I mean, he, the only thing you worry about with him is time pass, as the time passed him by. Right. And, too, um, and, and, the, and the game's circles. a little so different. different sorry, I didn't yeah. interrupt you. Sorry. The, the game's a little different, too. You know, we run, line them up. We're going to run between the hashes and – we, we need to evolve a little bit with the game. That's my only question with that one would be is like you said, is the game past him or, you know, are you going to, are you, is he okay with, you know, Matt Ryan throwing 60 times a game? So, uh, uh, okay. So then now we're going to offensive court, offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. This one's kind of hard to predict because obviously, mm-hmm. like we said before, like general manager is going to pick the head coach and head coach is going to bring his friends. So uh, it kind of all kind of, if you could find a pair that kind of all fit together, this one's hard to predict, but these are going to be fun. So I picked a couple fun ones, and I picked some maybe some realistic ones. So offensive coordinator, I went with Mike Kefka, quarterbacks coach for Kansas City. So if you bring B enemy in, you could as a natural maybe a natural, you know, progression there would be Mike Kefka, quarterback coach. He's done a lot with obviously uh, Patrick Mahomes, Greg Roman, OC for Baltimore. And Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma head coach. And that would be a step down, I guess, in title-wise. But he would be in the NFL and be able to use that as a stepping stone, maybe like a Shanahan style. I don't know if you could convince him to be an offensive coordinator. Maybe if you got a hot head coach, they really like each other. But that would, those are my three that I've, you know, who knows what's going to happen here. But those are my three that I've picked. So let's see if I got any of yours. Uh, no, no. This one, like I said, you know, you said this earlier, you made this point. It's hard to predict this one because you're typically going to be looking at coaches that probably aren't offensive coordinators. But I picked offensive, you know, coaches that were offensive coordinators already and kind of just looked at that. Um, you know, Lincoln Riley, I could make fun of that one a little bit. Guy's probably not going to come unless he's a head coach. Unless he got fired by Oklahoma. And I don't see that happening. But that I mean, could. I mean, I guess it could if they're like, they lose five or six games. You know, people get in. Well, they won't lose. I don't think they would lose six, but people get impatient. You know, yeah, yeah. The administration gets impatient, but there's not a lot of money in college football right now to fire guys. You know, I expect a lot of lame ducks to stay around for another season, even even if they will ever get fired at the beginning of the season. So I'm kind of just I'm going with guys who are already office coordinators. I kind of have a um. Uh, uh, kind of a, uh, a wish list here, a, a wish list, you know, buy a contract type deal. Yeah. Um, so my first guy that I would go with would be Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys right now. They lead the NFL in total offense. Um, they're not particularly good in rushing. They're only 19th in the league in rushing, but man, that passing game. And, and it's going to be interesting with him to see now that Dak Prescott's gone down for the season, 
can they keep up those numbers that they've been doing with Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton. quarterback? I, I'm fascinated just to kind of watch that for the rest of the year, see what happens. But ultimately, that guy's probably going to be a head coach somewhere at some point. I don't know if it'll happen next year or not, but that's probably really what he's looking at, not making a change from Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator to um, Atlanta Falcons offensive coordinator. So, um, number two, Nathaniel Hackett. He's the offensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers. I really like balance in football. I don't like to be too trend-heavy toward the passing game or too trend-heavy toward the running game. I like to have a good balance. And right now, that team is third in the NFL in passing and fifth in the NFL in rushing. Yikes. And so I like that because they're hard to predict. It's hard to predict what they're going to do next. And you just never know. You know, you might be stopping the passing game, and suddenly the running game is just going to take off, and you've got to stop that. Then it goes back to the passing game again. So they're incredibly balanced. I think they're the hardest team in the NFL to stop right now. Bill Belichick Harder than Kansas career that. Sorry. Good. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay, so this is a guy that is not – a um, offensive coordinator, but I, I kind of was going back to the Kyle Shanahan tree. Mike LaFleur, he's the passing uh -huh. game coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, he's with his, he's in his fourth season, and he's in the third as a team's passing game coordinator, and he was previously the team's wide receivers coach in 2018, and then um, a wide receiver passing game specialist in 2017. So if you, my idea with this one, if you want to kind of if you want to recapture the magic of that 2016 season and get somebody who knows Kyle Shanahan's playbook, then maybe this is the guy you want to go with. But they're, you know, their offense isn't terribly impressive at times. So I don't, I don't know if that's what you want to do, but that's just kind of an idea I had. Um, Brian DeBall is a guy that uh, I thought of. He's the offensive coordinator at Buffalo right now. He used to be Alabama's offensive coordinator during that championship season in 2017 when they beat the Georgia Bulldogs. I, I like the way he coaches. Um, they've really the, – their offense has changed totally since he's been up there. So, but then again, that guy's probably another guy who's looking for a head coaching job at some point. So, right. I don't know. It's incredibly – Yeah, these um, are wish, just wish list kind of picks anyway. So, okay. Yeah. So, so, those are your three for um, for your offensive coordinators. Um, now defensive coordinator. Um, this is this is totally wish list for me, and I have no good options. These are just I just pick stuff at this point. But um, if we're really just picking them out of the hat, and I can have anybody I want to, I want Brent Venables. Uh, I mean, you know, what I'm saying like if we're if we're really gonna go for like getting people that's unattainable because he's the highest paid head coach or highest paid defensive coach and, you know, in college football history, then we'll, we'll, we'll take him. And then, uh, because he's always hunting, they're always good. They're all, I mean, you're going to have the stats too, and I would bet you, but I mean, he is just a mastermind of, of seeing talent and being able to get his guys in the right position. And so Dan landing, why not UGA defensive coordinator? And then, Joe Woods in Cleveland, he's a current defensive co coordinator now. He's done a lot with a little – well, he's got a college all-star team over there. So, you know, uh, but Miles Garrett might be the best pass rusher in the NFL right now. Just uh, just a real talented guy. So, like, getting his – like you know, it's all communication with me and getting the guys in the right position and doing a lot with a little because they're going to be asked to do a lot with a little current – our, with our current roster. And then 
Uh, I picked Dennis Allen, defensive coordinator for the Saints, but I don't really like that that pick anymore. So, um, they the Saints are really known for 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 being uh, a defensive minded team, but he's had some good years. I, I had some numbers backed up, but they all got deleted. But I, I don't really like any really any of my last two picks. But those are my my four there of. Heck, if we're going for it, let's go for it. Brent Venables, let's let's go. Give it to me. So, what what are your thoughts on those? Or, or who are your defensive coordinators or choices? Okay, so can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, yeah, I just want to make sure I lost my uh, my headset. So, all right, so my number one guy would be Keith Butler with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. He's been their defensive coordinator for a while. Um, he's been there for about five years. He he's been you know really good. Like Pittsburgh's always consistent defensively. I always get them for fantasy football every single year. It's always been my strategy on defense. So I I, I love the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just love them as an organization. Robert Salee would be my other guy. Like I don't think either one of these two are very realistic options, but figured I would just go there anyway. But then I think really with the defensive coordinator position. You're going to have to go with a college guy, right? If you want an established defensive coordinator, uh, or you could go with an NFL assistant. But I've got two guys in the college ranks that I think would be good in that position. The first guy, Brent Venables, like you said, he seems to like the uh, small town feel of Clemson, South Carolina. Um, he's mentioned before he really likes a Christian environment at Clemson, and he's been offered head coaching jobs at other places in the past. I think Kansas State took a hard look at him a couple of years ago, and it. You know, he didn't go there. Um, he seems he said he likes his kids going to the schools up in Clemson and everything. So it'd be really hard to pry him away, I think, even for an NFL job. And NFL is just not cut out for everybody either. And then the other guy would be Kevin Steele, defensive coordinator at Auburn. Mm. He has got NFL experience. He actually was Clemson's defensive coordinator at one time. I think he – now, this is not a, a good endorsement of him because he gave up like 73 points in a bowl game right. to West Virginia. <laughs> but he's always been pretty – he was uh, the Carolina Panthers defensive coordinator at one point, and he did a pretty good job there. And um, he's been really good at Auburn over the last couple of years. He's been the defensive coordinator there. He was a candidate for the Tennessee coaching job a couple of years ago. And I think he could be – a good fit as well, as long as there's other good assistant staff members on the defensive end of the ball with them. Okay. So that is our list of how we would fix the coaching staff. Um, Basically, I'm going to run down my number one options. I'm going to go – these are my number one guys. I'm going to go Tony Dungy at the CEO, and I'm going to go – I'm going to go Lewis Reddick as my GM. I'm going to go Eric Bieniemy as my head coach. I'm going to go uh, Lincoln Riley as my offense coordinator because why not? And then give me Brent Venables. So I, I, I put together a, a college all-star team, but um, but the top three guys are really what matters. It's really the general manager right now and the head coach that matter the most. And I, you know, Lewis Riddick and Eric Bieniemy would be the hot names for me. So Okay. I'll uh, go through my list too. I've got Tony Dungy as the president and CEO. Lewis Riddick would be my general manager. Joe Brady would be my head coach. Kellen Moore would be my offensive coordinator. And Keith Butler would be my defensive coordinator. So some of that realistic, some of those are just um, because you know, not. fun options. But um, overall, I think there's some pretty good candidates on that list. 
Yeah, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that if that uh, so we're, we've really come together on that that Lewis Riddick thing, and I wouldn't be surprised if that. I don't know what the timeline would be realistically of when they would announce that, but um, I really like that uh, that choice. And I, it seems realistic. You could go either way, and I think this job is um, I think this job is going to be uh, desirable. I think this job is going to be of the coaches that are of the teams that are going to have availability. Um, I think this 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 job will be um, be desirable and up there with you know whoever else. But I think people would want to come here, so those are our options. No, I agree. Let's talk about the Josh McDaniels um, coaching thing with Atlanta, though him being a, a coaching candidate. So Josh McDaniels is a guy. He was the head coach at Denver for a little while, and that didn't go too well. Tim Tebow was there. It, it, it just didn't go well for him. And so he ended up eventually getting canned. And then he was uh, sent back. He went back to the New England Patriots, had a good relationship with Bill Belichick already. Uh, so he went for a second stint as offensive coordinator. And now he's associate head coach. And I think there may be even have been a behind-the-scenes deal where as soon as Belichick leaves, he would be the head coach of the Patriots too. So, so that's something also to think about. Yeah, and there's something funny happened too that he was supposed to take. He had already accepted the job um, somewhere, and uh, I can't remember what team it was. I'm trying to look it up right now. But I, he had accepted the job, and then he just backed out at the last minute. I don't remember what um, what that was, but um, yeah, like you said, th- that availability of not maybe kind of waiting around to Bill check retiring could could have possibly taken him out of the running. But, I mean, I think as a football mind would be – I don't know if I would – yeah, head coach would be – you know, that could be nerve-wracking. Like you said before, with it didn't go so well with Denver. He's got a divisive personality too, if I remember correctly, of of just um, the media or whatever reason. He just gives off a bad connotation and or just not very likable. And I don't know how Mr. Arthur Blank would like that or the fan base or whatever – but even like you know the Rex Ryan's of the world is kind of he doesn't give off the Rex Ryan like crazy drama filled. He just gets kind of a snarky vibe off to him. So um, I, yeah, I don't know about the fit here in Atlanta would be uh, as good as you know, maybe you would. Yeah, want. that's true. Um, I think some people probably would also question. Well, he didn't have a lot of success in Denver it, with the Denver Broncos, so why give him another chance? But I think. One analogy you could use on that is that Bill Belichick didn't have a lot of success when he was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns either. And if we had judged him just based on that experience with Cleveland, then where would New England be today? And Saban with Miami. Yeah. Saban and Miami, you know, so same kind of deal. So, right. Well, you know, I would say to Saban also, like he, I don't think Saban did a bad job with Miami. I think Miami was uh, nine and seven one of those years, and eight and eight. And I think that franchise probably would like pay okay, money yeah. to be, you know, have those kind of numbers right now, because it, they haven't had that kind of success in a long time. That was a tough job. There really wasn't a lot of talent around. I think Saban did a good job there. I think that's just the narrative that um, the sports media has passed on through the years. Good take. That's a good take. All right, uh, Todd. I think those are some good options there, um, and I think your list is is as good as my list. Uh, admittedly, you got some. Yes, you, you found some good ones. Um, 
And we're going to, on our next episode, we're going to focus on their coming up uh, matchup with the, uh, the Vikings, Panther, or uh, Falcons and Vikings uh, coming up um, this weekend. And uh, you have anything else to say to the people? Any, any uh, encouragement? Well, usually I'm negative Nancy on the show, but I'm going <laughs> to give you lots of encouragement today. Let's go. The times are changing, folks. Yes. Times are changing in Atlanta. Dan Quinn's out. Thomas Dimitros out. SEC players are coming to Atlanta now. <laughs> hey, and I'll just say this. I, this That's the most divisive and the most uh, direct I've ever heard Uncle Arthur talk to the media. I mean, straight up answering. Yes, for sure. I mean, all options are on the table at, at this point. I mean, he doesn't want to make any problems, especially about Matt Ryan returning. Matt Ryan has not looked like himself here, uh, you know, late in the season. So I, I think that um, he, he all options need to be available. So the Falcons, they have holes everywhere right now. They have holes at running back. They have holes at the offensive line, holes at the defensive line, holes at linebacker. They may even need to get a new kicker. So I don't I don't know what – you don't want to, like, guarantee that anybody would come back at this point, especially if you're Arthur Blank. So you want to leave all options on the table because of the way the franchise is right now. I mean, it's possible you may not have Julio Jones next year. You may not have Matt Ryan. Uh, you may bring Todd Gurley back just to have a veteran running back. in the Because, I, you know, honestly, I don't really think that Todd Gurley was always used the correct way this season anyway. So it might be a good idea just to maybe try something totally different. You don't think that's the homer in you talking? Don't you think that, that the Todd Gurley experience yeah, experiment is is run its course in four games, or you you is it worth another sixteen games to you? Uh, I mean, if you can get him for a good deal, I mean, I wouldn't overpay for him. But if you can get him for a good deal and stay under the salary cap, then then maybe, especially if you draft some new running backs, because um, I don't really I'm not a big fan of any of the running backs that we currently have uh, on our on our team. Edo so. Edo Smith's not doing it for you, and Brian Hill, no. Okay. Yeah, so I think the positive, like to say, like we end with a positive of note that, like you you said, changes are coming. I think major changes are coming. I think a, a new outlook on the on the Falcons. Uh, I think hopefully they get this. So this could change the trajectory, like I said before, of picking the general manager, picking a head coach, and then subsequently picking a franchise quarterback. Keeping Matt Ryan, if they so choose to, to phase him in, a la uh, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, a la Alex Smith and uh, Patrick Mahomes. So that there is a precedent there. So I am cool with not moving on from Matt Ryan and you know letting him run the ship until the wheels fall off, a.k.a. Peyton Manning – or no, the other one, the uh, Eli Manning. So, uh, you know, the – the future of Matt Ryan, he's going to be here. He's too much of a dead hit to trade him. There, There's not a lot of dance partners out there that are going to be looking for that kind of hit, the salary of aging quarterback. But uh, my positivity spin today, my, my note of positivity is changes are coming. They're going to be positive. Arthur Blank has had enough. Boy, you saw him just sour on the outside line. Down in the fourth quarter, walking around with that mask on. Boy, he looked, whoo, he looked mad. So, um it's coming. It's it's going to be exciting. And like I said before, in a year's time, you probably won't even recognize this team. I mean, so. 
probably not. The interesting thing, though, is I wonder why Arthur Blank waited until this week to do it. Like, if it were me and I were the owner of the Atlanta Falcons and I was super wealthy, I would have done it in week three. I did. Is that the off onside kick? No, the onside kick was week two. I would have done it in week three after the back-to-back losses. The yeah, I might, I might have done it with time still on the clock on that um, onside kick. Yeah. I would have thought about it, but I think I would have – because it was still so early in the season, but after they blew consecutive games but well, against Cowboys and the Bears, I would have done it then. Well, that's the old adage, when's the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago? When's the next best time now? So the, the next best time is now, which was – yesterday or sunday so it happened it's it's uh there there's changes are coming uh todd thank you uh for another joining me for another episode uh thank you for jumping on with us and some insight and hopefully you know we get excited for this new coaching staff that's going to come in i don't know when that's going to happen raheem morris getting his shot so uh stay tuned for another episode this coming up thursday uh friday morning will be it'll be published and so um Look forward to that. And uh, if you like what you heard tonight, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, or like us on Facebook. Go ahead and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcast from. And until next time, fellas, rise up.